Watch Podcast. I'm Aaron Berger, a Nebraska Extension Beef Educator. For today's Beef Watch Podcast, we're going to be discussing an article from the February issue of the Beef Watch Newsletter titled Improvements to Livestock Risk Protection Insurance Implemented in January 2021. To discuss this topic, I'm joined today by Dr. Jay Parsons, who's a Nebraska Extension Farm and Ranch Management Specialist. Thanks for joining me today, Dr. Parsons. Thanks for having me, Aaron. Dr. Parsons, the focus of our conversations today is going to be around the Livestock Risk Protection Insurance Program. Recently, there's been some pretty significant changes to this program that really probably make it more attractive than it has been in the past in terms of being a risk management tool for livestock producers. Share with us some of the changes that have occurred and why this might in particular be of interest to cow-calf feeder cattle, as well as people who are feeding cattle for finish. Yeah, there's been a whirlwind of changes in the last uh, 18, 19 months to this program. Those that are familiar with it know that it's been around for cattle at least since 2003 and really not a lot of changes along the way. And then uh, in the summer of 2019, they uh, started bumping up the subsidy levels and that's had like three iterations and the subsidy levels are now anywhere from 35 to uh, uh, 55% depending on the level that you insure. And of course, most people insure at the top level. So we're looking at a 35% subsidy as opposed to the 13% subsidy that it was at for years. And then uh, beginning farmer ranchers get an extra 10% on top of that. So that's, that's one thing that grabs producers' attention is just that it's become more affordable. And then they bumped up the uh, number of head that you can insure each year. Um, so now it's up to 12,000 head on the cattle side, uh, 6,000 head in one endorsement. Uh, so much more appealing to larger producers. Um, and the uh, ownership requirement, you used to have to own the cattle up until 30 days to the end of the uh, insured period. They've expanded that now to 60 days to give you a little more flexibility for selling cattle at the end of, of that cycle, especially for cow-calf producers where there might be a drought situation and you want to get them off the range and maybe sell them a little lighter uh, earlier and, and still have the coverage in place. Of course, the, the price trigger is, is dependent upon the end of the coverage period, not necessarily when you sell them. Um, and then the latest one that with the um, cow-calf guys is you can now insure unborn calves. And you never, before you had to have the calves live on the ground and in your ownership before you can insure them. And so uh, so that's one of the, one of the uh, changes that just took effect uh, here in January, 2021. Dr. Parsons, as you look at these changes and you've done quite a bit of work with this in the past, looking at the efficacy of these livestock risk protection insurance as a risk management tool. How do you see these changes impacting producers who might utilize the tool as they look at it now as an option? Well, the big one, of course, for the subsidies is just flat making it more affordable for them. Um, and and uh, so, you know, in the past with that 13% subsidy, your feeder cattle uh, insurance policies tend to be a little bit more of a break even along the way. Uh, but, you know, that 13% subsidy didn't leave a lot of cushion there. So when you paid those premiums, you know, say three out of five years, you didn't collect an indemnity and one out of five, you collect one that covered your premium, maybe uh, one out of five, you, you collected one, but it didn't cover your premium. So just that flat uh, savings of about 20% on your premium uh, makes it to where it's a little bit more of a above break even 
proposition in terms of protection, which is, you know, from a risk management standpoint, you don't get those opportunities that often without uh, the help of somebody, in this case, the government covering that. Um, another piece to it that I didn't mention was the premium used to be due up front. So this was like an investment that you had to have cash for at the beginning of the coverage period. Now they've moved that to the end. So it just, just the barriers to entry have gone down. So, you know, at the end of the coverage, if you didn't get an indemnity and you owe them a premium, at least you know the price has turned out uh, fairly well, which is why you didn't get an indemnity. So that makes just makes it a much more appealing uh, for producers to participate in it. We jumped right into the changes of this. And for some of the folks who are listening to us today, they might be thinking about, well, how does this work again? What's this compared to a traditional option or a feeder cattle contract? Maybe give just some quick basics around how LRP works and how it differs from some of the other risk management tools that are out there. Okay, and it's it's a single peril insurance. It is strictly tied to price, and the price that they're working off of is on the Chicago Mercantile Exchange. Um, so for fed cattle, it's it's the fed cattle price, right? And then uh, for uh, anything below nine hundred pounds, you're insuring off of the feeder cattle uh, futures contract price. So the basics of it in terms of the weights are you can go from 600 to 900 pounds either steers or heifers and then below 600 pounds uh, steers or heifers or unborn steers and heifers which is the new category which is simply an average of those uh, prices for steers and heifers below 600 pounds Uh, but that feeder cattle contract you're looking at on the board of trade it's a 700 weight steer so uh, that translates directly into the LRP contract coverage for that six to 900 pound steer calf. And then they basically work 10% increments off of that. So they bump the price up that you can get for lighter weight steers by 10%. And then they bump it down 10% for heifers versus steers. Uh, So that's kind of the base. It's a fixed basis, so to speak, that you're working with there uh, versus the board of trade is just trading the 700 pound steers. and, and basically, uh, the trade happens during the day. They have uh, put options that are being uh, sold and whatnot. And then this coverage is tied to those premiums that are being uh, charged for those put options uh, for the different levels. You can't buy an in-the-money put option, so to speak, with the LRP. They're all out of the money. Um, but it's tied to how those things are trading on the board of trade. And at the end of the day, uh, when trading stops, they basically calculate and put out the premiums and coverage that you can get on LRP. Uh, you need to work with your livestock insurance agent um, then to get that coverage in place if you desire it before the market's open the next day. You talked a little about the futures price and how that sets the price for the options. The ending values in determining whether or not you get paid an indemnity What's that based off of? It, it's the same thing on that, the way the Board of Trade closes. So let's just say you had coverage uh, that went until October 8th or 9th of uh, this year. And then uh, at that ending date for your insurance period, they're going to work off of that closing price for that fut- actual futures contract for feeder cattle, which is, which is uh, a cash contract sold then. And whatever that closes at uh, for that October futures contract, that's what your coverage ending value is, is calculated off of. Uh, so let's just, so like last year, for example, things went down quite a bit from now until the end of the year. Uh, so you could have bought coverage at the beginning of the year uh, on steers. You could have bought like $170, a hundred weight coverage, and it ended up in the low 150s uh, towards in the fall selling period. 
So they look at that difference and basically that $20 hundred weight would have been your indemnity last year off of steer calves insured at that lighter weight. So they base everything off of that CME uh, feeder cattle contract. Um, and it's uh, basically closing price at the end of your coverage period. What are some other things you think producers should know and understand about RRP as they think about utilizing this as a risk management tool? I encourage everybody not to uh, just jump in and jump out as, you know, as people talk about it and becomes a hot topic. If they haven't looked at it for a while, though, with these up increases in subsidy levels and all these other changes that are favorable for producers, it's a good time to look back into it and, and just be thoughtful and integrated into your uh, price risk management plan for your cattle. You know, we tend to think of these things when we need them, which is too late, of course. You know, if we could all insure after the fact, you know, insurance wouldn't be in business because we'd all make money off of them. So you need to basically be thoughtful and say, okay, so what can I insure at? What What's a, a price level I need coverage on here? And it's it's counterintuitive in some sense. And that is, is that when prices are low, most of the uncertainty in the market is actually to the upside. Uh, so buy an necessarily worried uh, about it dropping so much but when prices are high and you have high input prices that go with it uh, especially you know if you're buying your replacement animals and so on and so forth and paying for pasture and all that then you really want to look at what this coverage provides you in terms of protection on the downside uh, so so it's really important to, to just look through what you have for a cost of production what prices you need to protect what's being offered in terms of the insurance level uh, that would be there and then uh and then what the premiums are to go with it. Keep in mind that this is all. T this is just price insurance on a national price. You still sell your cattle. You still got to be uh, diligent and have a good marketing plan to physically sell your cattle in your local markets or or whoever you're having to be selling to. Um, and you still want to get the best price you can there. Um, so it's not affected by the actual price that you get uh, in terms of your negotiation and and all your sales. Uh, uh, activities that you do to physically sell your animals. So so it should just be a part of your uh, marketing plan and a, a part of what you utilize. And it doesn't mean you have to use it every year, but you certainly want to entertain the thought of using it every year as part of your regular uh, marketing process. Dr. Parsons, where can folks go to find more about LRP insurance and, and understand more about the details of how it functions and works? If you go to the RMA website, rma.usda.gov, and find the livestock insurance category if you look up under the, the different insurance coverages. They got a bunch of material up there. They also have a place where you can go and look in how it's performed in the past and do some experiments on your own. Like what I do in my articles, I just pull up, you know, say the last five years of coverage and how it would have performed. Um, but all of that's available online. But but they also need to talk to their uh, local insurance, uh, crop insurance agent. Not everybody's licensed to sell livestock insurance, but it's not super hard to find one. Usually you can find one that does uh, sell the livestock insurance and just touch base with them. Uh, if you're thinking of doing this, there's a two-step process. You have to apply for it, which is basically choosing that insurance uh, agent that you're going to work with. There's no cost to that. You just have somebody lined up that if you do want to purchase it, you can go through them to purchase it. So those two sources online, of course, Extension has a lot of stuff up there too to learn about it. Um, but there's plenty of things to explore and talk to your fellow producers that have used it, but always ask them when they used it too, because they may have used it years ago and had one or two bad experiences with it. And you don't want to judge everything off of that, but just communicate with folks around you and you can learn a lot about it. Thanks again for joining me today, Dr. Parsons. Thanks a lot for having me, Aaron. Well, for more information on the article that was discussed in today's Beef Watch podcast, I'd encourage you to visit the beef.unl.edu website. 
Again, the title of this article is Improvements to Livestock Risk Protection Insurance Implemented in January 2021.